Hi, I'm James. And I'm Cairo. And this is Who Cares Wins, the podcast sharing inspirational stories about people who are caring for someone they love. Each week we're joined by a new guest who shares their story, and we try to do it with a smile on our face. But we never shy away from some of the darker moments. And if you find these stories helpful, please do subscribe to them and rate the podcast on your podcast provider. It makes a real difference to enable us to share these stories with people who are very often in a really challenging situation. Right, James, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this extra special bonus episode of Who Cares Wins. James recently had the chance to sit down with Dr. Warren Donellan, a psychologist and lecturer at the University of Liverpool and an expert in dementia, informal caregiving and resilience. As you can imagine, we were super excited to sit down with him and hear his thoughts on some of the key topics we've been discussing. So I'll leave it to the guys. I hope you enjoy. I really wanted to conduct a, a project on dementia because as an increasing number of people are personally affected by dementia. My gran had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease when she was in her 70s. And the effect that that had, obviously the effect that had on her was huge. But I was really taken by, you know, the effect that had on my granddad, who was post-World War II, kind of that kind of generation where he was very much looked after by my gran for, you know, 30, 40 years. And suddenly the tables turned and he had to take a primary caring role. So the effect that I had on him really fascinated me as much as it sort of shocked me. So I really wanted to make a difference and do something worthwhile. So that was the kind of research project that I started. And when I finished, it didn't really feel finished. So I decided that I was going to embark upon a PhD um, to kind of really look at it in more detail over a longer period of time. And then that's kind of, yeah, that sort of paved the way to where I am now. One of the big things that I've been uh, interested in and that we've been talking about over the last few weeks with relation to Mobilize is this concept of carer resilience, um, which was a big part of your PhD uh, thesis, I think. Can you just tell us a little bit what you mean about carer resilience and what that concept is? Resilience is a, it's a bit of a buzzword in the kind of academic world at the moment. It started off life as a sort of construct that was looked at in children children who had experienced adversity or trauma in some way might be kind of um, neglect or different forms of abuse and the trajectories of those children as they grew up so the kind of how they developed you know started fascinating psychologists as in these were kids that we didn't expect much from we expected these kids to develop issues later on and yet there was a you know a, a decent uh, proportion of these kids who didn't there were kids who remained stable and didn't develop mental health problems or, in some cases, thrived. So that's kind of where resilience came from as a, as, a, as, a, as a stress response, you know, how people deal with adversity. But more recently, academics and researchers have started to look at resilience um, in different groups, different age groups, and more recently looking at it in older people. So carer resilience, the way I've always defined it, is it's more than a stress response. It's about how people manage, how people adapt, how people negotiate with a significant source of stress. In terms of caregiving, that is the source of stress that I was particularly interested in. You know, we know that there are a growing number of carers. We know that they have, um, they're a huge uh, resource for our economy. So understanding how these carers manage 
And in some cases, how they grow and thrive is what, essentially what care resilience is. There's something really interesting in what you described there, because through this podcast uh, with Who Cares Wins and through a number of other conversations we've been having with carers, it's really striking how many people have said, you know, this was a really important opportunity for me to uh, rebuild and reestablish a relationship with my mum or my dad that I hadn't had previously, spend some time with them. Uh, and also, if we get it right, there's there's a way that you can um, you could you can actually get something from it that's really valuable, uh, and, and particularly in relation to your relationships. So, what are the things that people can be doing, or what are the types of situation that enables people to really thrive when they're in a caregiving role? Again, historically, resilience has been looked at as a as a sort of personality trait. You know, it's something that you that is inherent within the individual, and there's a whole host of research studies that have looked at things like competence and hardiness and self-esteem and those kinds of qualities as resilient traits but one thing that became apparent to me is it doesn't matter how competent you are as a carer or you know whatever your sort of personal confidence is and skill set if you don't have a supportive environment you don't have supportive family friends you're only going to get so far so really my research identified those personal level things which were important but also the sort of environmental interpersonal things as well so you know research that we published um, back in 2015 we basically revealed that there was a number of things on a personal level that were important so for example positivity and humor even in the most extreme of cases people you know there's always humor to be found also things like um, this concept of Maintaining continuity. You know, with dementia, of course, we see this. You know, it's a degenerative, progressive disease. Mental faculties, emotional processing is deteriorated over time. But yet the resilient carers, they were able to sort of maintain a sense of stability and a sense of continuity in their loved one. So rather than focusing on all the things that have been lost, they focused on things that had perhaps remain stable for example you know he's always had a really good sense of humor and I still make sure that he you know he has that or he's always had a really good group of friends and you know I still make sure that he goes down the club to see those friends so that sense of maintaining stability in the face of this progressive deteriorative illness I think really speaks at the heart of what resilience is and then on an interpersonal level obviously family and friends are massively important what was interesting about our findings is that friends Friendships at any age are really important, but particularly in older people. Family were valued, um, but interestingly, at a distance, independence and autonomy is massively important to older people. They need to feel, rightly so, that they can be self-sufficient. So family members were most supportive when they were sort of on the carer's terms, allowing the sort of carer to be as independent as possible. Finally, on a more kind of wider scale, respite comes up a lot you know the importance of respite if you can access it which is a whole kind of separate issue being able to take a break and being able to recharge your batteries so that's just a flavor of some of the kind of things and the themes that were emerging that were associated with um, resilience in carers it's really exciting to hear you describe some of those because particularly with the who cares wins podcast something that i found really striking is that the people that we talk to actually find humor as a really important way of keeping things going and sometimes accessing the really difficult emotional situations that would be 
too difficult to to contemplate if if you couldn't see them through the lens of humor and um and, and being able to laugh about it definitely and and again i mean you mentioned uh, having a supportive community around you i i think it's so striking whenever i ask carers uh, how they cope um they they always say well i i couldn't cope without such and such and they yeah. and they describe the people around them and very often that's people who don't really think of themselves as helping out in a caring role at all uh, yeah. So it may be someone who you can go and talk to and you can have a laugh and you don't talk to about the caring situation at all. Yes. Uh, and you just yeah. have a, a, a bit of a break. So that really tallies with what what you're saying has come out of the research, really tallies, I think, with some of the lived experience that we that we see. Definitely. You know, I became really, really interested in the kind of family and friend networks that, you know, who who cares for the carer? is the question I was asking myself. So as you said, typically you've got, you know, a primary carer looking after someone. But again, I was, you know, that, that's obviously not the case. There's, 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 there's a whole network of people around them. And we published a paper in 2016, um, which kind of, you know, reanalyzed some of the interview data um, that we had. And do you know what? In-laws and even people like neighbours have a really important role to play. So they're not providing, as you said, you know, heavy... Um, practical or emotional support but in some cases they are there if you know someone goes missing or you know they can get a pint of milk at the shop and that, that's you know that that's no less valuable than someone who's there 24 hours a day sort of you know providing round-the-clock care so it's you know it's a whole it's a whole network of support that's important it's somebody used a beautiful phrase with me the other day um, they said it's a bit like uh, Avengers Assemble um, we, we, we've got a challenge and we need we need all sorts of people with special skills to uh, to come in and may, perhaps your special superpower is buying the milk or yeah. popping in to see if your mum's um, got out of bed that day or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I might use that one myself, actually. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that analogy. So, so from your research, what do you think the, the key takeaways are for, I, I guess, different groups of people? So, so one might be um, the caregiver's themselves and people who might be listening to this podcast, but also local authorities who are kind of grappling with some of the policy and practical implications, and then businesses like Mobilize, uh, who are trying to play a role in in adding value across the sector as well. The take-home message that I always sort of try to draw when, when, when you're looking at something like resilience is that it's not always bad, and there can be uplifts. And it might take a while for you to be able to identify those uplifts and it will fluctuate over time. So from speaking to real people living their lives, we've been able to relay that message. So, you know, the message to carers is always there will be down days, but every single person's different. And what works for you might not work for someone else. And, you know, if you can find reward or humour in something, then so be it. That's how you manage if you, you know, have a really supportive friend network and they happen to be, in your mind, more supportive than your family, then again, so be it. In terms of um, people working with carers and alongside carers, most services are set up around trying to manage um, the, the stress, the stress of care. And that's, you know, perfectly the right thing to do. But again, just by flipping the coin a little bit and looking about resilience, if we can understand what helps people 
and the resources, both within individuals but also within their environment. If we can understand that, it creates a more well-rounded, supportive approach in the sense that, you know, there's already a lot of research going on around things that we need to sort of mitigate for carers and things that we need to sort of improve. But if we can understand things that we need to promote, you know, you've got more of a sort of two-sided, double-edged approach to it. So, you know, it's about provide more respite, give carers more opportunities for breaks, you know, increase funding in certain areas. But it's also about telling people what kinds of personal characteristics help. So it's about telling both sides of the story, I think. So that's uh, carers and the sector more generally. And, and, and what about the particular services that are available? How, how, what have you learned that they can be doing that would be helpful? Well, one thing that struck me, and again, it's probably my own misconceptions and preconceptions, is that actually older people are becoming increasingly computer literate. You know, I was, at, I was conducting an interview one time and, you know, we were trying to schedule the next appointment and um, the carer, you know, whipped out her iPad and she was showing me how to use it, to be honest. So I think there's real massive scope, and I don't think it's really being done that much currently, is using digital technologies, using internet-based supportive interventions to help carers. And I think that becomes particularly important when you think about how there's huge communities of carers out there who, well, they don't know the part of a community. They might be doing this on their own. They might be isolated. And yet, one of the really important messages of my research is that, you know, the reason why friendships are particularly important is because people tend to make friends with people like themselves. And friends who are share caregiving experiences it's a massively important source of support. They're able to share things that work, things that don't work. They're able to reassure each other, provide emotional support. So I think there's some really important work to be done around providing a forum within which carers can meet one another, share things, learn things. And probably if we can put that, you know, online to access even more people, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, So I think that's the future of the area really is sort of, you know, creating environments and fostering that kind of ethos of sharing and caring um, with people in similar boats and situations. And of course, that's exactly what we're trying to do through Mobilize. And uh, I, it's interesting, actually, uh, in terms of creating that space, I think there's a there's a real chance for us to do something exciting. Uh, if we get the language right, and um, uh, you and I have been talking about caregivers and carers uh, in this conversation, but a large part of it is probably um, to create a new language around this. But because um, you know people don't really define as a carer, they say I'm I'm a mum or a sister or a husband or a wife or whatever it might be. So creating a space which is going to be really relevant to everybody in the broadest sense and and can create those shared experiences as we go along will be really important. Definitely, yeah. If you can tap into you tap into more people that way, you really capture the full spectrum. Whether it's getting a newspaper or a pint of milk right through to providing, you know, round-the-clock personal care. Well, Warren, thank you so much for sharing your insights there. It's been really uh, helpful to to talk to you, and you and I are going to do some work together over the next couple of months. So if a call comes out for some help with some research, it may be a chance to speak to you and some of your colleagues and pass on your experience so that um, uh, other people can benefit from it and we can... We can all help each other out. Uh, as, as we said earlier, uh, Avengers Assemble. There's a, there's a real <laughs> a role for everybody in this community. Uh, Warren, thank you so much. My pleasure. 